We're back again. It's Chase and Josh with Factor Fantasy. That's Chase and I am Josh, and we are here to give you episode three in season three of The Witcher here today. Chase took us through a badass recap last week with episode two. I'm going to be taking us through episode three here today. A lot of crazy shit. It's starting to kind of build to a point we have at the very end of this episode. A little bit of a uh, full circle of, of some villains that we were introduced to last season in The Witcher. So really excited to get through that. Before we dive on in, I will turn the floor over to Chase to say a few words. Yeah, man, it's good stuff. Hard to believe we're already on episode three. It just keeps climbing. Enjoy the moment, as we say, because we don't know how long the White Wolf is going to be here. And I'll turn it over to you, Jay Nelly. Yeah, sounds like a plan. To dive right into episode three here, the episode opens with Yaskier, and he's asking his paramour, Vespula, about Radovid, saying that Yaskier sees people. And last week, Chase and I were talking about this song that Yaskier made and how it really was not his best work. Both Chase and I were a little bit disappointed by the song. And how Radovid just made it seem like it was the greatest song you ever heard. He's like, wow, you truly see people. You're kind of picking on them. And now, all of a sudden, here in episode three, they're bringing it back up. And uh, apparently, those words uh, shook Yaskir a little bit from Radovid. And to continue on from there, he says you can't play a player. And he believes that Radovid is hiding something. And he wants to find out what that is. So that way, he can help Geralt. So it seems as if Yaskir is kind of playing the double agent for the side of Geralt as of right now. Kind of see how it plays out. As there, as he's sitting there and discussing this whole situation with Vespula, he ends up saying something that I found what was kind of profound. It says, if the problem is different, the solution needs to be different. And he keeps making this uh, sort of illusion that Geralt's like a hammer and he only knows how to solve a problem one way and that's just fighting his way through it just being a machine and then attacking it where he, he believes that Radovid's a little bit different so he's like this is going to be a different approach because it's more of a intellectual battle, subtle, where Geralt's there's no subtlety to Geralt, he's going to kick the door down he's going to swing his fucking sword and that's what's going to happen so I thought that was pretty cool there and he continues on saying that Radovid isn't intelligent but he tries to hide it basically saying that Radovid is playing his own game, but nobody knows what that game is or what his objectives are. At this point, Vespula tells Yaskir that she believes Yaskir has a crush on Radovid, and Yaskir tries to hide it. He says he only has affairs, not crushes. And things start, he like pulls Vespula in, and things start getting hot and heavy, and Geralt knocks at the door, calling for Yaskir. And it was funny, because while in the beginning parts of him discussing it, he called Geralt, he says he cares for Geralt like a family goat. And when Geralt starts pounding on the door, he's like, "Up, oh, there's a family goat. <laughs> so I thought that was pretty funny there. But in any event, Geralt takes Yaskir to fake Siri. I call her fake Siri. I don't know her name yet. Apparently, she was a part of an experiment that was looking to replicate Siri. And they need to take her to Annika, who's a druid. So they end up going along this path, and a man named Otto comes across Geralt in the Askir's path to Annika's. He welcomes them in. They meet with Annika, and we find out that Otto is a werewolf. And we also learn that Geralt, at one point, saved Otto's life. So pretty cool stuff here. Geralt asks how Annika and Otto met. And Annika gives a story about the Temple of Truth mourning Otto's wife, and she was there for Vicenna, who Geralt didn't know died. And I believe Vicenna is Geralt's mother, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, Annika says Vicenna talked a lot about Geralt at the end before she passed away and we learned that fake Siri is under a mind control enchantment 
So I was wrong a couple episodes ago when I was hoping that this was the big bad villain. Turns out it was not. So cool to see what it ended up being. Now Annika tells Geralt that she doesn't know any mage with the ability to do what this one has done to fake Siri, which means this person, whoever it is, it's he was wildly dangerous. Obviously, we already know that as Rienz, a already powerful mage, is a subordinate of this individual, and now we're learning about the type of magic that this individual does is, I don't want to say off the charts, but it, it's very advanced. So they give fake Siri an elixir and wait to see if it starts to work. At that point, the scene shifts to Yennefer and the real Ciri. And they meet with Giancardi, his most secure, and, and he gives him the most secure vault for something. Yennefer tells, uh, uh, Yennefer puts a locator spell on Ciri's talisman and tells her if she gets in trouble that she's going to recite the spell that she just had verbalized. And at that point, the scene moves to Redania, and the King Vizmir is playing some sort of ping pong game. What was up with this ping pong game, man? What did, what did you get from this thing? I don't know, man. That was uh, very interesting. One thing about The Witcher is they always have an interesting way with like competitions and games, whether it's throwing knives, whether we're throwing throwing stars against the wall. Now we're playing ping pong. I'm wondering what sport is next, man. Quidditch, maybe? <laughs> so you're actually a really good point, dude. They have some of the wildest uh, ways to pass some time over there on the continent. But in any event, we get to this uh, part where Dijkstra asks Vizmir about a secret meeting with Nilfgaard. Vizmir said that it did happen, that he brokered a deal where Nilfgaard pushes north. They're going to leave Redania alone and untouched. And as a reward, the other half of Temeria is going to be given to Redania as a vassal state. They have to turn over Ciri to Nilfgaard in return if they find her first. And Dijkstra tells Vizmir he's being played. Vizmir doesn't really think that and kind of just ignores it, shrugs it off. And at that point, Dijkstra and Philippa meet afterwards, and they come up with some things that they need to do. And this is where the scene moves to Yennefer, and she enters a room where Tessaia is, and they have a conversation about gold and its uses. They argue back and forth. Yennefer tells Tessaia that she wants Ciri to be trained here. Tessaia is not about it at first because of the war, of the war that it would mean if she was trained. There at Eratusa and how the majors would kind of be roped into that uh, and, and seen as taking a certain side and it could be all bad. And I, I, I wrote down some pretty cool dialogue between Tessay and Yennefer. Tessay mentions, uh, she says, after all this time, after all that searching, you finally did it. Yennefer asks her, did what? And Tessay says, become a mother. Because that's all. That's what Yennefer wanted to do. She, you know, she gave up that to make sure that she was sculpted beautifully physically. Remember, before she was uh, this almost deformed hunchback. You know, not really your prototypical attractive woman that she ended up carving herself into at the expense of never being able to have children. And ever since then, she's been searching for uh, like solutions to have kids. And to say it just kind of dawned on her. That, yo, you did it just in a way that you didn't expect and probably didn't even realize. So I thought that was pretty cool. So then from there, just talking about that, the scene moves to Siri And she's making fun of Fabio, who was left to give her some sort of, be like a chaperone of sorts. Making fun of Fabio for trying too hard to sell his stuff. And, and he tells him that, she tells him that he'd be more successful. He didn't want it so bad. And Fabio tells her about the painting and a warning about Eratusa and how the failed mages are turned into eels. So, Ciri is already a little bit skeptical about this whole 
thing to begin with, and now she's learning that the ones who don't pass this task are turned into eels. And this is a good point. I kind of want to ask you about this, Chase. It, it doesn't. Era twos at first almost seemed scary when we came across it in season one. To say it was more so, it came off as more of a monster of sorts. Not not a monster, but she was like very rude and like in my ways the highway was very uh, like apathetic. Like she didn't care. And now as the season's grown on, you can see, we've seen to say obviously, you know, start to develop a relationship with Vilgefort. So obviously had a special relationship with Yennefer. But remember in the first seasons, she was kind of cold and, and yeah, uninterested in anything and didn't really give a shit if you didn't pass her tests. You know, even you would go so far as to call people rude names and, you know, like this guy Fabi just mentioned, you failed the test, turn you into an eel and you're just going to power it as an electric serpent. So what do you think about the transformation here of what Eratuza was and do you think they went away from it on purpose or is this just a natural progression of people as they age? What are, what are your thoughts on it? Yeah, that's a good question. Uh, because remember in season one, I mean, it seemed, Eratusa in season one to me seemed a lot like Azkaban <laughs> in a way. Like they had those eels there at the bottom and were threatening them with what would happen. Uh, and she kind of reminded me a little bit of if Snape and Umbridge like formed into one professor <laughs> but looked like McGonagall but a young version. <laughs> that's what she kind of looks like. But, yeah, man, I mean, that's a tough one because now it's like, I don't know, maybe something impacted her at the end of season one where, you know, Yennefer kind of, like, came into her own and kind of started taking the lead. And just, like, even season two, you know, when Yennefer was supposed to be there during the executions and she broke free of that, it's almost like with that progression of Yennefer in a way... Tissaia has turned almost more of a human, like a more, um, I guess you can say like a, a more sensitive humanistic vibe about her versus just being so uh, by the book with things and almost like a military drill sergeant. Like if you make it, you make it. If you don't, <laughs> that's on you, man. Sink or swim. So yeah, I, I wonder, I, I don't know. I think it's a pretty cool character progression, but question to you before we dive back into it, do you think her character development would have been better if she had kind of stayed that cold human, like, even now, where we're only three seasons in, and if it kind of, she really took more of, like, the antagonist role versus now she's kind of you know sitting on the side of a fence in a way like siding with people hey i do this i do this i really want to help you kind of yennefer if i can if she kind of just kept that cold motivated self-interest where she sat on her own side of the fence the whole time and kind of more took an antagonist role so i personally do not think it would have been better for her character development just simply for the fact that we already have so many villains and antagonists Right, we've got Amir over there in Nilfgaard. We got Kai here, who's almost his first lieutenant. We had, uh, what's her name, uh, Frangilla, who turned bad and tried to destroy a bunch of 
everyone. You know, we, we've we got Vizimir over there in Redania who doesn't seem like the, the best guy. We've got Rience. It's just... There's too many fucking antagonists, all right? <laughs> there's just, right. There's yeah. just too many. There's just too much shit to keep a, a track of. And, and on top of that, there's already kind of the anti- antagonistic mages and Stregobor and Fringilla's uncle, like the, the head guy that was there before the vote took place, and Vilgefortz and Tesea ended up getting the vote in, right? So, I just believe that this is this was the right progression for her because we just got too much fucking shit going on with too many bad guys and too many people you know uh, trying to play the role of stopping or capturing Siri and you know I, I just think that the way that she came about it, it's nice to see it is a it's almost fresh it's the opposite of what you would have anticipated you know she turned a, a leaf quicker and like you said I think you characterized her very very spot on when you said a combination of Dolores Umbridge, Severus Snape who looks like a younger version of McGonagall. That was a fantastic characterization of who to say it is but the fact that she did turn this leaf quickly and you know become this sort of character that cares about people in an outward way. She even broke rules for Yennefer, and she's involved romantically with this new guy. When well, I gotta say new guy, he's been in the Mage you know, Brotherhood for a while. But in any event, it's just uh, yeah, I think they did it the right way as it pertains to to say his character development. That that's my thoughts on it. I don't know about what you think. Yeah, I think I think it would have been interesting to see that cold side of her, but I think my response to that is I think they did it. I think they made the right choice. I question whether or not they should have done it so fast, is what I question. Like, I wonder if she should have... Remember season two, Yennefer, when she was struggling with her magic taken away and the decision she's made. I almost feel like Tissaia, you know, she should have struggled with what was right and wrong. Like, maybe this season would have been the season of, like, Maybe she does some bad shit and she's like, oh, wow, I really fucked everybody. But then I start turning a new leaf next season. Like, because it's kind of like we took a step over to the other well, side of the shit, map. Well, shit, man, real Sorry. quick. Like, uh, at the end of the day, we don't know if there's any more seasons. How, how fast do we turn <laughs> yeah. this thing around? We don't even know what's yeah, going on. Man. I'm banking on something that we, like I said before, you know, enjoy it while it lasts. I mean, fuck. Like, yep. you got to teleport at this point. But point being is my thoughts are here like do you feel this way i feel like in season one it took them time to get places you know and we were jumping through timelines and things took its course slow and we were developing now we're in season three and all of a sudden it's like we're jumping from westeros to essos like what the fuck happened like we just had yennefer and cyrilla just cross the fucking entire country in two episodes like what the fuck is going on man like, I don't know. Do you think it's because this is the end? I think that it's something that they don't believe is pertinent. I think they need to tie up a lot of loose ends if they're having to have an abbreviated version of what the series was meant to be. So they're probably thinking, all right, do we really need to show them traveling for two months at a time over the course of four episodes? And maybe they figure condensing it makes more sense. And I see it from a certain angle, but it's just it, when you're following something along and you, and you set a precedent of how you're going to do it, it's tough to, to try to 
backtrack and you know get us to forget <laughs> that that all happened to begin with and so I, I I see I see how you feel there. It's just I that I my intuition is saying that they needed to move things along to make sure they're ready for the future of the show. If in fact there is a future for the show after all these decisions <laughs> are being made. So my thoughts yeah. on it. Yeah, man. No great point. But back to you. I'll let you take it away, Janelle. Cool. Yeah. At this point, you got this scene that moves to a bar and they're making a Nilfgaard either chant or song almost reminded me of like the the reigns of castamere and gay with thrones you know uh, i thought that was pretty cool but we see Istrid for the first time in this uh season he's attempting to get a book from his contact she tells him the book he is looking for had already been taken and sent to eratusa by the request of the emperor amir himself so that's interesting now we realize that Nilfgaard and Eratusa have been in contact and Amir requested that this book be sent directly to there. So just kind of curious as to the relationship between Eratusa and Nilfgaard because Nilfgaard is supposed to be the, the big bad guys here, right? So interesting how that looks like it's playing out. From there, the scene moves to Gallatin and Kahir. Gallatin meets with Amir and tells him they're getting slaughtered, that him and the elves are getting slaughtered along their way. Gallatin tells Amir that Francesca has been siphoning off the best fighters and sending them on side missions and making decisions that have sent great men, his good men, to their graves. And Gallatin tells Amir that Francesca is defying his orders and instead of fighting to soften the north, she's searching for Ciri, which catches Amir's interest. So Amir asks Gallatin to stay a while, provide some food and, and comfort. And from here, Kahir stays behind for a private audience with Amir. And Kahir tells Amir about how Cyrilla is out there and how he is having dreams about her. So Amir, after some consideration, allows Kahir to, quote-unquote, come home if he proves that he's ready. At this point, the scene shifts over to Geralt. Him and Yaskier are talking about the plan, and Geralt says he's going to kill Rience and his boss. And he also says that Yarpin told him that he saw Yaskir talking to Philippa, so he's curious about the kind of conversations that Yaskir's been having behind his back with Redania. He asks Yaskir what Dijkstra wants Yaskir to do, and Yaskir says Dijkstra asked him to take Ciri to Redania, and Yaskir tells Geralt, I think it's a good idea. And Geralt explains to him how it's not a good idea. And Yaskir, at this point, convinces Geralt that he should just trust Ciri. And Geralt tells him, uh, her source, you're right. And Geralt walks in on fake Siri and tries to wake her up, asks her about the source, and tells Geralt her real name, which is Taryn, T-A-R-Y-N, and he asks her what happened. And she says that she was dragged from her room by a man, and Geralt asks about the man with a scar, and she tells him that he was there sometimes, but there's also a woman with a funny voice that helped the man, and the man scared her. And Geralt asks if she knew him, and she says, uh, at the school at Eratusa. That's where they, like, she saw him, and Geralt asks the name. But at this point, fake Siri screams and then becomes possessed. And the fake Siri who's possessed, although her name's Taryn, I guess I can start calling her Taryn now. Taryn says, stupid witcher, you're doomed and you don't even know it. I am Cyrilla's destiny. May all ye wail, for the destroyer of nations is upon us. So she uses the the mag. Well, whoever's possessing Taryn is using the f- magic from Taryn and pushes everyone back. Annika goes down. 
Otto starts to turn into a werewolf, and now Taryn is unconscious. From here, the scene moves to Fabio and the real Siri, and she walks to the center of the area where there's a creature behind a cage and, and has blankets over the cage. This random woman yells out, that'd be a ripoff, for how scary could that be? And Siri says, you'd be surprised. They are unpredictable, and unpredictable means trouble. And the woman says, what's wrong with a little trouble? And Siri says, a lot if you've lived my life. And now they, they, they at the person who's presenting this animal, and he says, an egg that must be verified by a hundred and one venomous snakes. Siri claims that it's not a basilisk. She says it's the fakest uh, lie and that it's a wyvern and it's young and starving. And uh, the wyvern, like he, well, he, the guy, tries to strike Siri and she ducks and hits the wyvern's cage and the wyvern escapes. And the man yells at Siri and Fabio hits him and says, this girl's under the protection of Jean Cardi Bank. And mind all that name him asshole. And the, then this from this point, the other woman who had the convo with her earlier is spying on the confrontation and passes her a knife. And Siri kills a wyvern and gives credit to this guy on the side so that way he doesn't draw attention to her. And the only part that sucks is that woman stole money. <laughs> and then Siri tried to invoke the spell with the talisman and she gets caught by a woman named Rita. And at this point, Tessay and Yennefer arrive and smooth things over. Tessaya tells Siri the same thing she told Yennefer back in season one. She says, look at me, and don't you dare look away. And they have this sort of moment here, and it's important, but as it passes, and you see the screen pan towards Tessaya, you see that she's bleeding from her eyes. So are we seeing this part where the magic is starting to consume Tessaya? Is she... You know, either not as strong as she used to be, or is Siri something different that she can't get a, a, a hold on as she can with others? You know, so that's a, a cool little conundrum to, to ponder over. From here, they go to the Silver Heron, and they're they're like hire some shit, man. I don't know what they are doing, but they were they're feeling good. They're they're having so they're having a good old time, uh, and they are uh, picking on Yennefer for fucking a Witcher. And Yennefer and Siri argue about what's coming, and she Siri says something really rude to Yennefer. She says, "I know you're not Geralt. He would never sell a soul like this." And from there, the scene moves over to Geralt, and he's talking to Annika. Uh, she, she made a potion super fast, like Vicenna taught her, and, and you know, obviously, Geralt wants to know if Vicenna suffered towards the end. And Annika did tell him that she was beaten pretty badly. So. Geralt tells a story, and Annika says that Vicenna loved him the best way that she could, even though it wasn't in so you know, great in terms of a childhood, right? And Annika allows Taryn to stay with her while he figures out, Geralt figures out how to help her. And Geralt decides the best way he can do that is to kill two birds with one stone, and he decides he's going to Eratusa. Now the scene cuts back to Yennefer and Tissaia. They discuss how the imminent war is centered around Ciri. And Yennefer proposes to host a conclave of mages to be find better versions of themselves. And Ciri, she ends up using the talisman that Yennefer gave her to call out to Geralt specifically. Before anything happens there, the scene cuts over to Dijkstra and Vizimir, and they're discussing tactics. And that's where Radovic brings Vizimir a chest that's supposed to be a present. But inside this chest is Vizimir's wife's head, decapitated, just laying there. Picks it up, freaks the fuck out, runs out of the room. And Radovic 
ends up putting the pieces together of the puzzle and, and realizes that Dijkstra's the one that did it because Vizmir had this secret meeting with Nilfgaard and is slowly seeming like he's cutting Dijkstra out of what's going on when Dijkstra's supposed to be his most trusted uh, advisor. So Radovic puts it together that Dijkstra's the one that ordered this hit on on uh, Vizmir's wife. So he puts it together that Dijkstra and Philippa did it and he confronts Dijkstra about it. And Dijkstra doesn't even deny it. But he flips it, saying that, you know what I could do is I could pin it on you, and next time it could be your head in the box. And, this, and from there, the scene moves to Philippa, and she's seducing another woman. I'm not sure who she is, but she is the one that did the actual dirty work and cut off the queen's head. So, I don't know, dude. What did you think about this whole head in the box situation? Very Game of Thronesy, man. Remember when... Uh, the old, uh, what's his name, Ramsey Bolton went and sent uh, Theon's dick in a box to do his father over there in the Iron Islands. He, just, he opened up the box and there's parts of his body. And then they've got this whole thing going on over here where you know, this, whoever it is, and we don't really know too much about her yet, ends up putting the hit on Vizmir's wife. And then his brother brings him the box and it's fucking his wife's side of the box what, what do you think about this and why is Dijkstra I mean we know why but like what do you think about Dijkstra pulling the old power maneuver here to make sure that his uh, he never gets overlooked again he's a shady savage motherfucker if you ask me and everyone knows my boy is Ramsey <laughs> Now that fantasy football has started up, ask Jay Nelly what my fantasy football name is. Greyjoy's Anatomy. <laughs> and uh, let's put it this way. Man, like, uh, he's, you know, it's crazy. I don't think, I don't see him as the guy that's smart enough to be like Ramsey because Ramsey was one of those guys. Like, yeah, he's psychotic. But, man, that motherfucker is intellectual. And in the words of Sansa Stark to our boy Jon Snow, whatever you're going to do, <laughs> don't do it because he's always going to be one step ahead of you and he's thought of that shit already. I kind of see Dijkstra as, like, in a way, I don't think he's that smart, but I think he's the guy that would pull all the back doors he could, like, all the back doors he can and he's not afraid to fucking turn on you so fast. Almost more as, like, powerful like Ramsey, but conniving like Peter Baelish. Like, he already has the power Ramsey Bolton has based on the position he's in. Almost like, you know, how we were kind of starting to talk about the White Worm over in House of the Dragon, right? But we haven't really gotten that far yet. Like, he already has the power, but I don't know that I see him as smart as Ramsey and I think in my opinion I think that's what's gonna fuck him I think Geralt and all these other people eventually down the line at some point if there is another season at some point I think he's gonna make a fucking mistake and it's gonna fuck him over with everybody and I think a part of it's gonna happen with somehow someone's gonna spill the beans to Vesemir who's not too smart in my opinion I do not see him as a very smart guy well I real, real see quick as, I hate to interrupt you there but yeah. there's two characters and their names are very similar Vesemir was Geralt's uh, uh, mentor as the oh, witcher Vesemir yeah. is the king of Redania yeah yeah Vesemir was a badass Vesemir yeah. <laughs> Vesemir the king very similar names he just doesn't seem he doesn't seem like a smart guy to me he kind of reminds me of like 
very like I don't want to say delusional in a way, but he's not mean like Joffrey. Really, he's not mean, but he just kind of seems like he doesn't know what's going on around him. Like he does, he's no Tywin Lannister, that's for fucking sure. So I, I don't know. Maybe that's a good point. Maybe like Dijkstra thinks he's Tywin Lannister, but he's not smart enough to be Tywin Lannister. What's your thoughts? My thoughts are: it just seemed as if Vizimir just enjoys the benefits of being king in terms of the fun. He just like, seems to want to have fun. He doesn't really care about too much about his people. He just is there to enjoy the benefits of being king, and that's it. There's not much else to it. He's just living the, the life, and I don't think there's much more to him than that. He's the king of Redania probably just by luck of birth. He's got no desire to try and make the kingdom prosper. He just trusts his advisors to do what they do and just put his name on it. He's he's like that guy in the group <laughs> in school where he all works super hard and he just puts his name at the end and gets the fucking A. So I don't know, dude. I think that's just more about who Vizimir is as an individual. But in terms of Dijkstra, yeah, I, I think he's he's conniving. He's, he's very snake-like and will do whatever it takes to make sure he's not an afterthought and he doesn't get like bumped out of his position or you know they they, he still is as important as he thinks he should be in the proceedings of everything going on in the kingdom or the continent so yeah i I agree with you there in terms of what i think is going to happen to him when it all comes to a head i'm not sure if Geralt specifically is going to be the one to take him out i would like to see some sort of sick mage battle or something you know maybe Yennefer is the one to do it or maybe Ciri herself since they're all making plans to catch her and shit so I don't know maybe when Ciri when Ciri hits that Arya Stark arc turn and turns into the badass that we all know she's gonna be by the end of this whole thing maybe she's the one that just puts him out of his misery and and you know whatever but uh yeah dude I I think it's gonna he's gonna have a very similar character progression to where he's continuously on the sides, pulling some strings, doing what he can to just keep staying in his position, very similar to Peter Baelish until, you know, he he ends up just thinking he's too smart for his own good, and he gets caught up, and that's probably how it ends up happening for him, and, you know, who knows in what way that's going to be, but those are my thoughts on it. Do you have anything you want to add before I jump back in? Yeah, last question for you, and this goes into, we were talking about, uh, when Tissaia, you know, she kind of looked at Ciri and the blood were coming from her eyes. I kind of saw that almost as like a full circle moment. Remember when Yennefer, in the end of season one, she pulled her magic and the blood was coming out from her eyes. So I think it kind of shows like how much power Ciri really has. But my question to you is, does Ciri kind of annoy you right now? In my mind, for a girl that should be developing after having training with Geralt and the other witchers that we saw in Caremore Wren, you would think she would take more time to look into other people's perspective. And it's almost like she just assumed Yennefer was this girl that was given everything, like kind of grow up as like a praised mage. And then she gets there and she's like shocked, realizing that Yennefer was basically treated like a fucking dog and had to work her way up to be what she was. But I think she kind of perceived Yennefer as just this girl that, you know, she was kind of just showed up and they gave her 
the keys to the farm is what I think she got to see because twice now she hasn't started to think through anything. Remember when Geralt was like, I think you should change into something else because you're so recognizable. And then over here, she's like bitching because Yennefer is trying to at least, you know, kind of, it's like the marketing, like you got to wine and dine the right people <laughs> to move up the chain. And I think they were in like some sort of bathhouse or something. It was interesting, interesting, but like she freaked out and it wasn't even that big of a deal, but it's like, she's not putting herself in anyone else's perspective, but what she's honed in on and what she wants to do and what her way or the highway what do you think i think she's a teenage girl you know she's going through the growing pains of becoming an adult and a lot of it's not understanding other people's perspectives not putting yourself in other people's shoes until you learn the hard way so i, th I think it has a lot to do with just her age and, and growing into being a, a woman and the fact that you know her life has been so traumatic from a very young age that this is just part of the part of the process you know you know think about it i always make the comparison to her and Arya stark but remember the first fucking four five seasons she just kept getting her ass whipped every time she turned around before it finally like like the it all clicked and she got to that next level uh and, and really found out who she is i think siri's still kind of confused about who she is as a, as a person until she finds that she's gonna be probably a little bit annoying not really knowing what directions to follow thinking that she knows better than everybody else so yeah i think that it's just more so about her age and, and the immaturity that comes with it with you know her having such traumatic experiences throughout her life so far and thinking that no one else has gone through anything because she's only has a viewpoint of herself you just want to think about herself in a selfish way so those are my thoughts on it yeah i personally think at some point it's going to bite her in the ass though because she's not thinking through things and I think what's going to wind up happening is she's going to get herself in a predicament where they're going to have to go save their ass again. Almost like we've seen our boy Harry just decided to go grab the Triwizard Cup without thinking about anything and then my boy Cedric had to bail his ass out by taking the ultimate curse to the chest. <laughs> and I think like some shit's going to go down, man. But with that, I'll turn it back over to you, Jay Nelly. Alright, man. Sounds good. I to recap where we're at we're at that part where philippa is seducing that other woman and we're still not we're not we don't have a name yet of who this woman is but we do realize that she's the one who did the dirty work of cutting off the queen's head of redania and they're discussing the difference of portals and how certain portals have different properties and different feels to them based on like which mage conjures it and the type of energy they use to do so and the mage that's controlling rients we find out they work for Nilfgaard. Not a good sign. <laughs> Nilfgaard's already pretty powerful as it is. Now, the, what seems the most powerful mage on the continent is working for them too, and they're in the shadows, and no one knows who they are yet. Ah, good stuff, man. It's gonna, it's gonna get, it's gonna get hairy. But in any event, the scene moves to the mage controlling Rients, and uh, Rients. Well, she, well. I guess it's not really the, the mage controlling Rience at this point. It, it's the other woman that was kind of attacked by the fire from season two. But uh, she's communicating telepathically with Rience, and she says that Nilfgaard and Amir are just a means to an end. And that's when the illusion of her face, you know, he, he says something about it, and the illusion of her face kind of shades over, and you see that it's almost you know, Harvey Dent style, <laughs> you know, the two face over there from Batman, you know, so. 
It was it was pretty crazy. But Rianz tells her that if her boss wants her to go along with the plan, that he has a demand of his own. And without explaining what that demand is, the scene moves to the elves, and they're out in the field with Francesca. And Phil Evandrel approaches her and tells her that there is a rumor that Sirius spotted in Maribor. And he tells her to consider an escape plan with the whole Gallatin situation and not knowing what the hell he's going to do, where he went off to. So he's trying to get her to think of some backup plans. She doesn't seem too interested in, in listening at the moment. And from there, the scene, speaking of Gallatin, goes over to Gallatin and Kahir. And they're exchanging some stories. They're getting along well, catching up. And out of fucking nowhere, Kyer stabs Gallatin in the neck, killing him. And I'm like, what the fuck? Why? Like, what, what in the world? What was there to gain in that? Unless that was his way of showing Amir that he's ready to come home. But uh, Amir seemed that he w- seemed as if he enjoyed Gallatin said, you know, let's get this guy some food. Let's get him all, you know, let's see what he can do for us. He might be the new leader of the elves, if any, you know, but apparently Clear took it into his own hands, and uh, who knows if that was the undertones of what Amir was asking. Regardless, fucking stabbed the shit out of Gallatin in the neck, killed him. That was pretty much a waste of a character arc for Gallatin, in my opinion, because I thought he was going to be kind of a cool player later on in the thing, maybe to try to make a push for the control of the elves almost similar to how Killmonger did in the Black Panther you know something <laughs> like that but nope <laughs> nope he's just dead now so that's cool I guess uh, I don't know man like, like what, did, what did you think about that bro like I couldn't believe it when it happened I was like like if you want to make a shocking death right like if you want to pull like the Eddard Stark or something Ned Stark that happened and everyone's like oh shit or like the Rob Stark right like you're gonna do something like that that way like dude the boy the bro just walked up behind his back like a fucking bitch stabbed him in the neck and it's like what dude and gal what's his name gallatin it doesn't matter anymore <laughs> anyways he was dude he was a badass fighter man remember he was holding down the troops when uh, they were going after Siri with Francesca. Bro, he fucking saved Kahir's life. Kahir was about to get killed by a fucking one knight that had him on the ground. And then Galton stabbed him through the neck from behind and helped him up. What the fuck? <laughs> Only thing I can think of is, like, they had a great, like, this could have been a great character arc. And, like, with twists and turns. And they are like, fuck this. We got to speed this shit up, man. We got we to gotta get this rolling. <laughs> we got to get it rolling. And we got to bring Kahir back somehow. So, guess you got to go. Could you imagine reading that if you're that guy in the read-along where you're like, oh, man, nice. I'm going to have this really good roll. And then it's like, fuck, dude. I'm dead an episode later. Thanks. Thanks, man. Thanks. Yeah. Back to you, Jay Nelly. Yeah, man. I don't know, dude. It's very strange because it came out of nowhere, but not in an impactful way. You know, if they were going to do it to the point where you said where it's surprising, like Rob Stark in the Red Wedding, where, you know, you get to this buildup of where it seems as if Walter Frey forgave everything and they're having this great celebration. They're laughing and dancing and all of a sudden they lock the doors, but you're still not really expecting it. And then they start slowly playing the Lannister song in the bag, building up to it. Then all the shit happens. and You're just like, whoa, what the fuck? I thought everything was all cool and everything was all good, you know? And now with this, you know, there was no buildup. There's no buildup at all. They, they all, Amir told Kahir was, hey, let's prove that you're ready to come home. Then, few fucking scenes later they're chatting about the good old days like like two old bros will do and then he's getting stabbed in the back by the, like, like some fucking knife in the neck and 
murdered is this dude out of nowhere with for a reason I've got no idea. I, I have no idea what the purpose of this was. So, yeah, I guess you can say the death was shocking, but it certainly wasn't impactful at all. I, I, maybe it's going to impact the way things play out later on, but I'm saying like it didn't stick with me like, oh my gosh, it was just for me it was just like, why? <laughs> I didn't get it, dude. It wasn't even the end of the episode. It was like in like three fourths of the way through, and they're like, "Okay, moving right along." So we were sitting there, and we we're just like, "It was literally one of those things where you're just like, okay, well, that just happened.' Like you couldn't even like embrace what just happened. Like usually you're like, "Oh my gosh, that's so shocking." If it was at the very end, it's like, "Wow, that ended on a badass like filler episode," because at least I can kind of take in what just happened. This was like, okay, and back to the next scene where we had, glad we got that over with. Transitions, man. We talked about this in The Mandalorian. Transition. Someone's got to be better with these transitions. Like, what the fuck? I don't know. Back to you. Yeah, dude. I don't know either. But from here, we see Kahir break the mirror in the room. And I guess it's some sort of symbolism because he's staring at his broken reflection. You know, I don't know. Maybe some something like that. In any event, at this point, the scene moves over to Siri, and she's escaping on her own horse, and we see that something's chasing her, but we don't really know what it is just yet. We just hear rustling of leaves in the trees behind him. Of course, like you said, Chase, great fucking point earlier, this girl just making some dumbass decisions, running off on her own, not telling Yennefer where she's going, she just thinks she knows better, and she's just, like, off in the distance. You know, thankfully, she used that talisman a little bit earlier, but... In any event, as we start to see this thing about the chaser down, like we're we're kind of curious at what it's gonna be. And before I reveal what it is, I want to ask you what you think about this whole scene of Cyril just making the decision to, all right, I'm just gonna piece the fuck out. Like, what what did you think about that? <laughs> I'm saying it. Uh, it's interesting. She didn't like the bathhouse and stuff because she's starting to remind me a little bit of Rhaenyra. Like we're just gonna run off on our own all of a sudden. So, uh, very interesting, very interesting, there, uh, her perspective there, I, I don't know, man, and then the next scene is, I, I'm gonna let you get into it, but we'll talk about that in a minute, because we'll see my thoughts on that, and back to you, Jay Nelly. Yeah, man, so, as we finally see the forms come together behind Siri on screen, we find out who slash what is chasing her. And it's the wraiths of fucking Morog chasing her. And the leader's name is Aridin, and he calls out her name. And Siri replies back. Siri goes, No, you're ghosts. Corpses. And Aridin responds to her and says, Yes, we are corpses, but you are death itself. And Aridin catches up to her. Puts his hand on her shoulder. Again, he's like a ghastly, ghostly figure, right? We've all seen what the Wraith Samora look like back in Season 2. And now, obviously, up to chasing Siri here at this point. And he puts his hand on her shoulder and tells her to join them. And right as his hand, like right then, like as his hand touches her, it's thrown off. And the camera pans out, like in a zoom out f- fashion. And we see fucking Geralt out of nowhere, who was halfway across the world five seconds ago. Just like sprinting on his horse, using his push magic to get these ghosts off of her. And from here, the ghosts dissipate in the air. And Siri tells Geralt that he found her, and he holds her close in safety. And that's where the camera pans out, and there's a, a 
pea, like it's like a hand or uh, like it's a hand or a cloth or a weapon. I don't know what it was. It was something on the ground from the race of Morog. And so when they're looking at it, the reason why it's important to realize that this thing's on the ground because Siri realizes shit, they were real. Like this, like they are actually a real thing. And because they're supposed to be this myth, this legend. And we saw obviously from the other, you know, portaled world back when the the bad witch from before in season two had them in that little different alter universe, whatever the fuck it was. But no, these things made their way back to this timeline and this continent and they dropped that whole whatever it was on the ground, whether it was their hand, a weapon, or a piece of cloth. And now we know that these Wraith of the Morag are real and they have Cirilla in their sights. So that is how the episode closes out, how the episode ends. I will turn it over to you, my man, to give us some takeaways. Takeaways? You know, it was interesting choices that were made in this episode. I thought it was well written. Like, I didn't see... There weren't anything where I was like, the script is fucking trash right now. I thought it was interesting choices with, you know, Taryn was possessed. And I thought it was... uh, definitely cool they're bringing in werewolves i'm starting to wonder if they're bringing in vampires now that's another question for another time (laughs) but like you know interesting choices like i like that we're starting to see more of the development with yennefer and now um siri's starting to see some of her backstory and interaction with taseya so i'm interested to see how the taseya relationship is going to be with them and you're definitely kind of seeing her you know not as as mature yet Cirilla but like man like it goes so well and then like some interesting decisions like the transition like Galleon's just Gallant is that how I say his name the elf guy it doesn't matter anymore but yeah Gallatin Gallatin he's fucking dead now like that came out of nowhere and like we're just trying to please Amir that's sitting in his chair to get Kahir back so like this whole point was really for Kahir (laughs) so like basically what was the fucking point of him like you know trying to take charge of the elves (laughs) and he was just trying to get in contact with Kahir so whatever I'll take it as it is like take it as play it where it lies man like golf and I suck at golf play it where it lies so I'm okay with that. But then, like, at the end here, now you have the Wraiths of Morog that we've been building up since Season 2, like, just appear. Would have been badass if you found, like, Siri maybe tapped into some power or something happened. Maybe Yennefer saved her. Something that's fucking plausible. And you know I'm a Geralt guy. Like, I, the White Wolf is fucking badass. But, like, that's what I'm talking about, man. Like, if that's not a fucking plot hole, I don't know what is. Dude, at the beginning of the episode, literally middle episode was across the world. Like, you literally decided to go separate ways, and now he just appears? Like, appears? Like, bro bro pulled a fucking instant transmission Goku and showed up to save the day. Makes no fucking sense. I don't know, man. I'm going to give it a B, a flat B, and that's being fucking generous. Because, like, usually I'm, like, really impressed with this stuff. And it's like, dude, like, 
I like your choices, but like I don't know, man. Like I can't say it was a banger. It's not like the action was that great. Like it was okay. Like you had the Exorcist battle. Like they fought the Exorcist named Taryn. That's creative. Wow. <laughs> like, I mean, like, and now I'm starting to wonder, like, what, like, who's the real threat now? Because now you're bringing in the race of Morgoth. More the race. We'll just call them that. Fuck it. <laughs> it's like we were trying to track down like who this mage was that possessed Terran. So we have the exorcist and Geralt was acting as the Pope for a while. I don't know what the fuck their plan is now. I don't think it's all falling apart, but it was sloppy, man. I hate to be this brutal, but it was a sloppy mess. It was a sloppy mess. I'm giving it a B flat. It was a sloppy mess. What do you think? I think you're nicer than me, dude. I I thought the episode kind of sucked. It was <laughs> like you called it a sloppy mess. I just thought it was messy in its entirety. None of it was cohesive, and none of like it's almost that you you took up two to three things that you could have built to an apex and and made a really cool uh, conclusion to people's arcs, where you just kind of threw that shit away. You know, for example, the whole Kahir and Gallatin thing that you mentioned. The other thing, too, it have been cool to have the peak of something build up and then the Wraith Samara coming out of fucking nowhere. Not just chase her because she's running down the damn lane like, you know, Red Riding Hood. What the fuck was that, dude? Like, that's how you're going to introduce the Wraith Samara hog? She's just running in there like, ah here we come. The ghosts are coming to get you. Like, you know what I mean, dude? Like, and then on top of that, too, the other part is, like, you got, uh, what's his face over there in, um, like, the girl in, in this Terran character... You get a quick possession of whatever, and they, like you said, very much of a lack of action. But we could have just definitely kept whoever that was. I mean, we didn't reveal the identity, but you know, I just think that we could have just built that up a little bit on the opposite side to where you know maybe later when he trusted Taryn or they all were in a spot where an attack would have been more impactful. That would have been a really cool way to do that. There's just so many things that I feel as if they just, if they kept building, it could have been really cool at an apex of, of where it would have been something that we have remembered for a while. Like, oh shit, that was a really cool way for them to pull that off. They've done stuff like that. Like, for example, last season with Volath Mir when she possessed Siri at the very end and, and they had the big battle in K. Morin, right? So they did it. they've done a great job of it before. But now we get to here, and they're just throwing shit away. They're throwing out they, some of the stuff they could be building up. I don't know, dude. It I just was really, really frustrating to see. The, so will you give it you know, B? I'll probably give it, like, I don't know, a 6.2 out of 10. What's that? Damn, like, bro, I don't know. that's failing. That's that, a 62 I, I, I just, average? Yeah, it's a D, oh, isn't it? Man. I think it's a D. I don't know if it failed. Yeah, I mean, like, dude, it's well, just hard to What was great about it? You know what I mean? What was what was really great? What really stood out to you in the episode? You're like, wow, that was fucking awesome. You know, like, like yeah, I mean, it was cool to see the race of Morag, and I was excited to the fact that they came back, and we were wondering what that was going to be. But, dude, it's episode fucking three out of eight. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's not even halfway through. You're ruining a big thing that could have came in towards the end. Maybe they're all fighting each other and they're thinking, you know, could have been fucking very long nighty where you guys are battling each other and all of a sudden these things are coming to take out everybody. But no, not at all. You're just like, all right, well, Siri's upset, so she's going to run off like the, like, with a temper tantrum like a child. And while she's running away, we're just going to throw these things at her. But don't worry, 
you know, Geralt, who's been fighting these monsters who have been giving him a fucking hard-ass time, barely surviving <laughs> that, is just going to go ahead and do a little push and they disappear? What the fuck is that, dude? Like, I don't know, man. I just I, This episode really kind of frustrated to me. Because so, it, it really is silly, too, because episode one and episode two were so good. And yeah, like what was so great about this episode? There was no badass action. The, the plot line is wild, like, like, was out of whack because Geralt, like we're talking about, is halfway across the damn continent, shows up at the nick of time when every other person was closer to her. Like, Yennefer, to say they were all down the road in the town. They could have stepped in, you know. You could have made something really cool happen where Redania saves her from the race morgue, but now she's a you know prisoner of them. But, but no, like, dude, you guys, you guys are driving me insane here. So, I don't know, man. I really did not care for this episode much at all. Uh, I, I guess, you know, what, what are your thoughts on everything I just said? Yeah, first of all, what I'll say is it's as if right before they fucking filmed it, someone watched the fucking Ringwraith scene with Glorfindel and Arwen and was like, oh, that's good, let's do that. <laughs> it's like, where the... And they're like, but how are we going to do it, though? It doesn't matter. Just have Siri run off on her own. And then you know what? You know what I just watched was season seven of Game of Thrones when they were on the lake. So we could have Geralt just appear there like Daenerys did on Drogon. But, but we don't have a... We don't have a dragon because... We randomly killed the fucking wyvern earlier, so you know what? Just have him stand there. Point made. How in the fuck is Geralt standing on the Geralt standing on the grass with a sword like Jon Snow facing battle of the fucking bastards against Ramsay? Like this is your fucking guys, right? These are the badasses of the entire season. You've been building up for over a year, and then one push and they just disappear. You couldn't even do that with the exorcist chick, much less six motherfuckers on horses. I don't know, man. It made no sense. I don't know how he supermaned his ass over there. Ironically, he must have been using some of those powers. (laughs) I don't know what happened. It was fucked. (laughs) That's what I'll say about that. I, I, that's where I was like, dude, like, I was waiting for you to drop that bomb because... How is it you have trouble against a fucking, uh, what'd they call that fucking monster? They brought it up before. That's how they knew it wasn't, they knew it was a wyvern. It was the, uh, what was that monster? Basculus? Yeah. Yeah. How is it you struggle against a basculisk and yet you wiped out six fucking ghost dudes (laughs) with one push? I don't know. It was a fucking sloppy mess, and I'm being generous by giving it the B that it probably does not deserve. Yeah, man. And, like, obviously we know that the Wraiths of Marg aren't gone and the push magic didn't kill them, and, you know. Yeah. But the point is, is you should not have introduced them here. That's my point. Like, why the fuck are you going to introduce them and have nothing badass happen? Like, if you're going to introduce the big bad... Like, something fucking sick has got to happen. They've got to kill one of the main characters. they got to kidnap the one that they need to get. Like, something badass has got to happen if you're going to surprise introduce your main villain. And nothing happened at all. They chased her for a little bit and got pushed by some magic and decided, yeah, we'll flip to fight another day. But what the fuck is that, dude? And that's what I'm saying. Like, yeah, I get it for being generous and, you know, you want to give it a B. But I just, I don't understand any part of that episode where it stood out to me where I'm like, wow, that's really good. Like, you know what I mean? Nothing. You know, even when we had Rianz go back and we see the girl that got attacked by the fire when Jennifer did the whole 
thing earlier last season. Yeah, she's just communicating telepathically. She's there. Okay, cool. We see a Harvey Dent skeleton face. Yay. I, you know what I mean? Okay, they're in this this house and they're high. They're discussing, you know, some past shit. Yennefer and Siri have a little bit of an argument. Yay. You know, I, I, the the possession happens. The, we, this guy almost turns into a werewolf. He almost has the, the whole thing happen. Like, not like All I'm saying is this episode, nothing cool. I, the only thing that was a little bit cool was when uh, Radovic presented the chest to Vizmir and he opened it and it was his wife's head. That was the only thing that was like, oh, okay, that, that's kind of cool. Like, everything else was very below average and it was very disappointing, especially seeing as how see, uh, episode one and episode two of season three were pretty badass. Yeah, and, you know, I could even see it as if, which we won't get into rewrites, but fine. You want to kill Gallant? Is that his name? I always do mess Gallatin. Gallatin. You want to kill Gallatin? Fine, I'm down for it. Make that like the... I'm not down for it, but I'm going to let it slide. Make that the end of the episode. Like, it means at least make it, like, one, more of a, like, complicated... Um, you know a complicated scheme to where he dies and make it the end of the episode like that's it like that's your big twist then like don't focus on bringing a fucking monster out or if you're gonna focus on the Terran girl focus on that like come back over next episode to Yennefer and Siri not jump across the side of the world other side of the world and even worse bringing Geralt from the other side of the world over here so now we got Geralt back again woo we thought he was coming back at the end of the season but clearly not because three episodes in man that's what we got uh what debates do you have jeez that's a great question <laughs> why is this episode <laughs> like, trash yeah, I think that's say, like, where, where do I start man like what I just don't understand what do you think the purpose is of having all these key the, the I don't know balance tipping scale moments just thrown out in this weird episode that didn't have a whole lot of direction let's think about the key things that happened Kahir kills Gallatin the Wraiths of Morag appear this uh, fake Siri Terran girl it becomes possessed by the mage that's controlling Rience and then you know like where are all these things coming into play yeah yeah siri meets up with tisea they're about to do some magic training except they're not because she's going to go peace out yeah they're probably gonna end up going to eratuza because that's where Geralt wants to go to get answers about some shit so maybe that's why they needed to get Geralt over there but my whole point is you there's about three key moments that would have been super impactful and really memorable for the audience if you had saved them for the right time and in the right way so my question is, are, are we just rushing shit to get through it? Or do you think there's a grander plan and the way that it is being written is good and we're just kind of overreacting to one episode? I think it's a fucking combination of both, if I'm being honest. I mean, just to take this step one to explain my thought process, it reminded me of, like, remember we ranked the Spider-Man episodes. I know this is out of left field. But it was like Spider-Man 3. Like, someone at the fucking end was like, what about Sandman? It's like somebody was sitting back, had all these random fucking ideas, and was like, I want to put this all in one episode. That's exactly what it was. I, I, I Honestly, this is going to sound very weird and strange, but you're going to get what I'm talking about because we just did the recap. It's like someone really wanted to do this episode because they really wanted to introduce werewolves into it. 
Like, that sounds really weird, but think about it. Like, that was one piece. Why the fuck did you even have to have that? Like, that guy didn't have to ever say anything about he was a werewolf, and then that was the whole big battle there was, like, he almost turned into a werewolf, but Geralt saved him. So you had that whole, you know, Lupin thing going on, very Harry Potter-esque. But now we got the whole Game of Thrones thing going on over there in Eratusa. So it's like... And then you have the Dijkstra, the Dijkstra trying to be all galvanized. He was the best part because at least it was somewhat interesting what he was doing. But it's like all these other ideas I just didn't give a fuck about, being honest. Like I had no emotional connection to care. It's like all this stuff was going on. It's like, cool, you're throwing out some cool ideas, but I have no connection to care about any of this shit. Like, even when our dude died, like, I was like, all right, <laughs> like, I guess it is what it is, man. Like, I really hadn't even grown with him as a character up until that point. It's not like someone, you know, I said I keep mixing up names, but actually, you know, the guy that mentored Geralt, the the other, the Vesemir, did I say that one? <laughs> the other one, not Vesemir, Vesemir, bringing full circle moment. Like, if he died, I would actually have, like, an emotional attachment because I'd be like, wow, we grew with him. I don't know who the fuck this guy is past two episodes, so why the fuck do I care? <laughs> like, that's my problem, man. Like, it was just messy. It was gross. It was disgusting. <laughs> and I really fucking hope, and this is my opinion for the second part to answer your question, I think they are rushing it because I think they know this fucking shit's in limbo and i i've been hearing things through the grapevine that the second part's not very good and i really hope that this isn't why you had two fucking bangers man it's like you had two fucking bangers in a concert and you used all your bullets at once and you played your two most popular songs first and i really hope that's not what's happening what's your thoughts yeah, uh, it's it's hard for me to say. I, I like how you said we're probably doing a little bit of both. They probably are rushing in. We maybe are overreacting to one episode. But Mike, just question, and I guess, and I say this a lot. We we watch these episodes chronologically, one at a time, so that way we're not already knowing what's happening as we're talking about them on the podcast. So when we're talking about this, these are like live reactions, it's not like that we know what's coming next. We don't. We're watching it step by step to make sure that our our reactions and our like analysis is current and it's not biased by knowing what's already happening. So yeah, likely we are overreacting. I just don't see the direction it can go to fix it, so to speak, because you've already ruined the entrance of your main villain. It was really cool last uh, last season of The Witcher where it ended off on those things just riding at it and you're like, damn, those things look badass. That's gonna be crazy. They're real. It's not a myth. Those things look scary. But, dude, you have ru- you ruined the whole scariness of them because they got pushed away by one little flick of the wrist. Like, that, that that's your big bad. Oh, we're real scared of that guy. You know what I mean? That Just save that entrance. Save the entrance for something crazy. You know, we didn't need that. Dude, literally, I would have been more content if you just had Siri out there running away and out of nowhere. Like I said, Redania captures her. You know, they, they, they were waiting because they had word that she was in that city. So, you know, they had people along the road there and they captured her or something. Cool, do that. I don't give a shit because it's Redania and they'll probably get her back from there later on and that won't be an issue for me. 
But to introduce the race of Morog in that moment and to have nothing of consequence happen at all. No, the race of Morog died. Siri didn't get killed or captured. Geralt didn't get killed or captured. It was just the, okay, I'm here real quick. Go away, ghosts. We, we're not ready for you yet. So if you're not ready for him yet, why the fuck did you introduce him? That's my point there. Secondly, they, we're talking about this whole the, el, the pull for Elvish power. I made the comparison earlier about how I assumed you know there, there was going to be some friction. It was going to build up to challenging Francesca for the, the right to lead the elves. And whether it was going to be like a hand-to-hand combat thing or uh, a voting thing. Whatever it might have been. I was waiting for something like that to happen to where the elves are kind of split on who they want. Like, yes, uh, Francesca has led them so far and, you know, she's done the best that she can, but maybe her focus isn't where it should be because the elves are dying and she's not focused on that and, and sending the best people to the war efforts. She's too focused on finding this girl. And Gallatin, he represents the sort of change of, no, I'm for the people first because I'm on the front lines with you guys. So you had this whole cool thing that could have built into a, a, a head clash. But you're going to kill him off in the third episode out of nowhere. Just, you know, there's different ways to bring Kahir back and, and prove that he uh, you know, is ready for it. Maybe he goes and realizes Fringilla is actually still alive and she didn't die by tasting those poisons and brings and drags her ass back. And that's how he proves himself. Like, anything could have happened, but you just ruined a whole other uh, storyline between the friction amongst the elves that really could have been something cool for the future. Just because you wanted, uh, uh, I don't even know what you wanted. What 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 was the point to be like? Oh wow, he died. Like you got oh you guys got us. We weren't expecting him to die. Good job. Like I don't know, man. So yeah, we probably are overreacting to one episode, but dude, like I don't know what they're doing. They're just you're inducing stuff too fast. You're killing off key characters too fast. And to me, that is what rushing is. That's rushing it. You're doing things <laughs> at a higher speed than you should. Because you want to get it out there in front of the people without thinking about how you're doing it. So, yeah, that's my thoughts on, on my debate. What are your thoughts on there? And then from there, go ahead and transition into your debate. Yeah, man, my thoughts are I agree 100%. And, you know, we don't agree on a lot of stuff. We're right on the same page. I mean, this was Game of Thrones' problem, really. I mean, you go into Season 7. Season 7 of Game of Thrones had some of my favorite really cool visual moments like it really did like I I love that episode with the one on the lake and stuff like it's cool to see those things but same thing remember that's when they were teleporting all the way up to the wall from Dragonstone like this is the problem you're having here you can't just have Geralt literally especially it'd be one thing if you hadn't seen Geralt in like two episodes he was literally in the same episode across the world they did worse than Game of Thrones. At least Game of Thrones took an episode break before he teleported to the wall, Jon Snow. No, he just did it in the same episode. Like, 15 minutes later, he was there after they decided to kill off a main character or si- a main supporting character just because they could. That's why. <laughs> so that's my fear is I'm, I mean, what the fuck, writers? <laughs> like, writers really make or break your show. Like, I I mean, you can have the best, some of the best actors in the world that know the material and your writers can fuck you. And they either make you great or you live long enough to see yourself become the villain. And we've heard that before. And it looks like that's what's going on. And I really hope it's not. For my debate today, it's just a fun one. Shouldn't take too long. 
Do you think we're doing the classic now that we're having writing problems and we're jumping all over the place? Are we doing the classic like we're going to bring vampires and werewolves into this? We're going to get maybe the classic monsters vibe because we can't think of any other shit? It is Halloween, man. It is near Halloween. I'm going to go ahead and say no because if there's one thing The Witcher has done, and I I put The Mandalorian right there with this as well, is come up with some really creative creatures and monsters that I've never seen of nor thought of before. And they've, they've consistently done a good job there. So I don't believe that they're just going to backtrack into an old trope of we're going to add some monsters that are recognizable. I'm not saying vampires will never make an appearance there because they very well could. But I don't think they're going to get away from the the cool uh, monsters that, that they're coming up with. And I know a lot of them are already been pre-identified in the books and the video games so you know the, the people who are putting them on screen have an idea of what to work with but I don't I just don't see them straying away from that that is something they've done very very well is all these cool monsters that are very unique I don't I, I'm, I'm not saying that they won't have vampires in the series at all they, they probably will I don't believe it's going to be a, a key factor to the series, though, and I don't think that they're going to start just branching away from creativity on the monsters spectrum and just go with, you know, werewolves, vampires, Frankenstein, ghosts and ghouls, you know, whatever you want to call it. But that, I don't know. That's how I think on that side. What do you think? Yeah, I hope to God not. <laughs> I mean, I hope they're not like, you know, this doesn't turn into the Van Helsing production. Hello, Anna. <laughs> Hello, Siri. <laughs> like, and the, you know, you got vamps stacked up, <laughs> vamps that are stacked up in Eratuza over there, hanging from the ceiling above the eels. Like, I mean, it's the perfect setup. You got werewolves on one side of the world, vampires in Eratuza, and the Azkaban Castle. <laughs> like, I don't know, man. I hope not. I, I, I hope not. Especially as if there is a season four. I hope that's not their plan. Like, oh, yeah, we're going to dive into the classic tropes now, now that our boy's gone. (laughs) I really hope that's not the plan, man. So I don't think so either. I mean, you can't go from, like, that Silent Hill fucking boss and the Wraiths of Morgog to, you know, you decided to fight Dracula. Like, I really hope that's not the case. But, um, yeah, man, with that, uh, you want to close us out for the day or anything else? Got nothing else on my mind, dude. So, guys, if this is your first time taking a listen to us here, uh, we hope you enjoy what you heard, and we hope you stick around. For those who have been here from the very beginning, thank you for continuously being the shields that guard the realms of fantasy. In terms of where you can find us on all the social platforms, we are on Instagram, at Official Ridiculous Patronus. We're on TikTok, at Ridiculous Patronus. Backup Instagram, at Fact underscore or underscore fantasy backup tiktok at fact underscore or underscore fantasy we're on facebook chase and josh factor fantasy we're on youtube ridiculous patronus we're on twitter rp factor fantasy snapchat rp factor fantasy we have our own website as well ridiculouspatronus.blogspot.com so please go ahead and give us a follow a like a subscribe comment the engagement means a lot leave reviews leave star ratings all that is super important to us here on this show 
when it comes to where you can listen to the podcast specifically. If you're an Apple user, we're on Apple Podcasts. If you're an Android user, we're on Google Play. We're on Audible. We're on Amazon Music. We're on iHeartRadio. We're on our host site, Podbean. We are wherever you get your podcast. Chase and Josh, Factor Fantasy are there. We're out for the day. You know, this has been another ridiculous production. Chase and Josh. Factor Fantasy. Signing Signing off. off.